The Leech Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leech Report or email leechreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody, welcome in. Thursday edition of the Leach Report. What a nice, nice day. And uh, if we get lucky and the rain doesn't come until later on Saturday, it's going to be just perfect all the way through the football game on Saturday. So the Wildcats get set to open the season against the ULM Warhawks at noon Eastern out at Kroger Field on Saturday. We will uh, talk Kentucky football today with Tim Brando of Fox Sports. Uh, he works Big Ten games, uh, some Big Ten games, and so uh, saw Wondell Robinson in action, saw Will Levis in action and in practices, and so we'll get his uh, insights on that. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and we'll lead off with Mike Pratt here in just a minute as we get to the Wildcat News of the Day. Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppe's. And it's Giuseppe's Lexington. If you want to make a reservation or place an order online, they have um, installed a climate control patio. Did this uh, last year when COVID hit to be able to space out a little bit more. It's really, uh, really nice. There's live music every night. And they put in a new drive through window, too, so you can carry out and take Giuseppe's home with you. Giuseppe'sLexington.com. Uh, football tonight. The season got going last week for the colleges with week zero but it really gets geared up this weekend and some decent games tonight you've got bowling green at tennessee and we'll see how the vols look with their new head coach josh heupel ohio state is at minnesota tonight and boise state is at ucf joey gatewood gained his eligibility with ucf but don't think we'll see him in action tonight uh but that should be a, a good maybe the best game of, of the night in terms of uh, competitive I think that one's on ESPN, the Tennessee games on the SEC network. And Western Kentucky opens its season tonight at home against UT Martin. Of course, the Wildcats open on Saturday against the ULM Warhawks and new coach Terry Bowden. Bowden was very realistic in his assessment of the matchup when he talked with the media. He uh, said, uh, you know, basically that if Kentucky plays its best and ULM plays its best, it's uh, his team's not going to win, that they need Kentucky to be off its game. And he said this is not the Kentucky of old. Of course, Terry coached at Auburn, so he saw some Kentucky of old. He said Mark Stoops, quote, has done a great job making this team a contender in the Eastern Division. Uh, Coach Bowden uh, taped an interview with him, and he'll we'll have that on the show tomorrow on our Football Friday show here on the Leach Report. Yesterday was defensive interview day. And if you didn't notice this, when they put out the depth chart on Monday, uh, the depth chart, the two deep lists, 10 senior starters on the defensive side. One of them is a bully, a body Fitzgerald. And he has, uh, it's a really neat story. He's a fifth-year senior and just kept working. I remember Freddie Maggard was uh, really high on his potential when he signed. He just, uh, a bully had not played a lot of football and uh, has just continued. was very raw, so he's continued to work at it. He credits uh, in his interview yesterday with the media, uh, Coach Anwar Stewart, 
when the de- working with the defensive lineman and how he's helped him improve. Uh, so it's a, it's a neat story. You had this highly group, touted group of defensive linemen that were recruited a couple of years ago, and here's a guy that everybody thought was just going to get passed up and, and buried on the depth chart, and he has earned himself a starting position. And they'll, they'll rotate several guys uh, in the defensive front, particularly at that spot. Uh, so he'll, you know, I think McCall and, and Pascal, probably Pascal play the most snaps, uh, then maybe McCall uh, next, and then uh, there will be a, a guys rotating through. But Abouli Abadi Fitzgerald going to get his first start on Saturday. Um, Vito Tisdale's family released a letter from UK's Student Conduct Office yesterday that uh, Vito received after an investigation earlier this summer. Uh, the le- in, in the letter, it mentions that uh, it says Tisdale did, uh, did participate in a fight, which is a violation of the student code, but there was not enough evidence to say that he had a gun. And the letter also says racial slurs played a significant role in events that led to the escalation of the um, event at the fraternity party off campus. Um, so that's the latest uh, piece of, of information as this moves forward. At some point, the next big thing is what happens when this case goes uh, is presented to a grand jury. And we don't know exactly when that will happen. Shaden Sharp set to make his announcement on where he's going to play college basketball, and that is going to come on September the 7th. So next Tuesday night, 7 Eastern time, he'll announce it's almost universally expected that he'll say Kentucky. Cason Wallace, uh, who visited last weekend at UK, has released his final four. It's Kentucky, Tennessee, Texas, and UT San Antonio. I think most believe uh, Kentucky's got a great shot there. And Keonta Goodwin, is going to visit, reportedly, for Kentucky's opener. Young man who is committed, but has also said he's still going to take some other visits. So we'll talk about that when uh, Justin Rowland joins us a little later on. Our show comes to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. When we come back, we will bring on Mike Pratt. It is take on the opener for Kentucky football in the upcoming season. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and we'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. The Leach Report is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. You can place orders online by going to wildeggs.com. You can also sign up for their online wait list and make reservations so you can speed the process up when you get to the Wild Eggs in Palomar or in Hamburg here in Lexington. We welcome in Mike Pratt on the drinksword.com hotline. Uh, Mike, uh, throughout the uh, football season, I'll uh, get a call on most Sundays to kind of rehash the game for the Wildcats. You're, you were... Uh, big football fan from way back right i am but first of all let me tell you you just made me hungry because <laughs> i've had an omelet at wild eggs and it's delicious i love their omelets anyway you just made me hungry you and me I both go to work here a little bit <laughs> uh yeah i follow closely i i even turned on to see what uab and jacksonville state looked like it didn't stay long but i mean i i, I enjoy college football it's uh it is a uh, great feeling to watch uh, college football. When you were in school uh, at Kentucky, um, there were some 
good players that came through, but uh, just not good teams. Absolutely right. We had Dickie Lyons. Uh, he was quite a player, but we turned senior, and he was quite a player. Stan Forston, I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah, from Henry Clay. Yeah, yeah. big-time recruit for Kentucky quarterback, was hampered by injuries. No telling what Stan could have done if he if he didn't have those injuries. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we, uh, we were so smart that we played my man, your buddy, Jeff Van Mota, defensive end uh, for the Cats. And he went on to play 19 years at center with the Falcons. So, he pl- I think he played about every position at Kentucky but center. Yeah, he did. He did. So uh, it was a struggle back then, 10-game season. And it was uh, they played a good non-conference game. One game they had Houston in there. with They had like six or seven draft picks, Warren McBay and a bunch of them. And they were really good. And we had North Carolina, and they brought a guy named Earthquake Enyard. Funny what you remember. <laughs> Oregon State. He was supposed to be the best running back in the country. Okay? Big guy. Big thunder. Earthquake Enyard. And the Kentucky beat him. So, Virginia Tech came in and played. Uh, we, had, we had good football, man. We just didn't win enough games. Uh, well, they're winning a lot more now and hoping to have a really big year here in 2021. Um, you've, you know, followed a lot of the coverage. You and I have talked. I know you followed coverage, talked to, to people and your shows and things. Um, what is realistic for expectations this year, do you think? You know, I think seven is, is the floor. I think maybe eight might be the ceiling, eight or nine. I mean, it, look. Look at the schedule. There's two games they got to get right out of the shoot: Missouri and South Carolina. And, and everybody ho-hum South Carolina, but it's a road game against somebody. On paper, you should beat. You can't blow that one. If you win those two games, now you're looking at, what, 4-0, Tom? Yeah. And, and you you know, you can you can play with Tennessee. You can beat Tennessee. So uh, Florida's always up in question. But I, I think those two first SEC games are, are paramount for the development of the year. And if they can get those two and go 4-0, I think you're looking at eight games, uh, possibly nine. I think they catch a, a real break with uh, where Florida falls on the schedule instead of being there in week two, as it often is, uh, because I just think that it'll take a, a few games, maybe the, the month of September, um, for that for a new quarterback and a new offense to really click. They're not going to be you know, hitting on every cylinder right out of the box. Uh, that's right, and... Uh, I don't expect to see much razzle-dazzle Saturday, but, you know, you play Missouri, and, and because of what you said, that makes to me more important to be uh, be ready to play and beat Missouri and South right. Carolina because before you get into the other boys, you got to get those guys. Talking with Mike Pratt on Twitter, it's at MikePratt22. Uh, let's get to a little basketball, and, uh, and Cal's got his guys back in the gym now, so uh, clip on on twitter where he was talking to them uh what's he getting done at this point here in early september well i think he's trying to uh to put in uh the culture of practice as much as anything how we practice how we go about our business and practice and how we grow our team i think he he, he that's important at this point in time and and then uh, that probably starts with uh, some defensive principles maybe even some offensive principles. But um, more than anything, I think he wants to set the table with how how he expects practice to go, maybe show them some drills and things they're going to do on a daily basis once practice starts. And it's really 
setting the table. A lot of individual work, a lot of individual work with guys uh, at both ends of the floor. That, that could be time-consuming, but could be really good long-term. Be interesting on on a team that has more experience or, or more experience and is just older than any of his teams have been here. Uh, how the the leadership roles uh, evolve because everybody's not going to be a leader. Some guys you know, come come on that naturally. Sometimes it's you know the point guard is like the quarterback, and kind of some of it falls on uh, on him. Um, but uh, how do you think the uh, the dynamic of the the personalities unfolds well that with the transfer portal tom that's a very fair question who knows you know um you got guys from good cultures who've transferred in good cultures which is a start and i think you look at keon keon's been there what two years this will be his third year he knows what calipari wants and if he gets the right guys to, to follow him to buy in and share that leadership role this team's got a chance to be pretty good. Um, it could be it could be leadership by a committee. There's nothing wrong with that um, at all. And got some guys that have great experience and uh, guys away from Kentucky and with Kentucky. You've got uh, you've got a lot of experience to draw on. But I think it starts with Keon. I really do. You can um, comment on this a little bit from your coaching perspective um, with uh, putting a team together that – He's going to be able to be further down the road in, in teaching. He's not going to have to to start as as basic as he might normally do with a team full of freshmen, right? Right, high school guys. You've got to break some bad habits, and uh, you have to have to get your get your philosophy and your culture across. But these guys, as I mentioned, came from good cultures. Davidson. I mean, you know that you can't get any better than Bob McKellop. And West Virginia and uh, Huggy, Huggy's got good culture. So now it's a matter of showing them how you want the game played from your standpoint at Kentucky. You assume that they'll they know what it takes to work and do certain things, but now it's conveying how Kentucky plays under John Calipari. Twenty three past the top of the hour, Mike Pratt. Thank you much. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be listening, buddy. That is Mike Pratt. Next week, we'll have to get a little bit into his Cleveland Browns with the NFL season starting one week from tonight. Browns won't play until a week from Sunday, but uh, Mike is a big-time Browns fan. We are going to bring you Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated when we return here on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. It's the Leach Report for a Thursday, and we are coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. We are working to land. Justin Roller, there we go, we have it, catsillustrated.com, to talk a little Kentucky football to get rolling into this week. Justin, there's so much talk about the quarterback position when when there's uncertainty there for any team, so we know it's Will Levis, but we don't have any history on him other than what he did in a few backup appearances at Penn State. Uh, A lot of excitement, a lot of hype, and it, it grows 
with each passing day until there's a game. So what's your thought on how how big the upside is for Levis? I think it's it's a phenomenal upside. His arm is as strong as any quarterback in college football. He's proven that he's a physical, big runner who's not afraid of contact. Uh, and he's got some skill players around him. And so if, if Liam Cohen is as good as I think he can be as a play caller, as a schemer, as a, as a strategizer, I think he could have a big year. And I, I think there's something to be said for him going to Kentucky there was going to be a competition, but he knew how this staff felt about him, and it had to be empowering um, to be a situation different than Penn State, where he never really knew how the staff probably felt about him. I think it's going to be empowering that, that he feels like this staff has believed in him from the jump, and, and I think that will help him. For fans sitting in the stands at Kroger Field on Saturday, uh, what are going to be the, the most noticeable differences in uh, Coach Cohen's offense in terms of the types of plays they're seeing or how do you think he'll call a game, etc.? I think the emphasis is going to be on making the defense defend as much of the field as possible. And I don't think that Kentucky did that in the past. I think it's kind of remarkable that they were as successful as a team as they were not doing that because you're kind of putting yourself in a box you know, when, you, when you're playing in these tight formations and just kind of in the middle of the field, and I think you're going to see Cohen show off Levis's arm and put pressure on the defense in spots where they haven't in a while. I mean, the, the deep passing stats, even attempts in the past, were, were not in line with what other teams were doing, and I think you're going to see a lot more um, attempt to get vertical and stretch that field. You know, because if they can make people respect that, they got uh, a lot of speed to work with underneath, guys that should be awfully impressive in space. That's right, yeah. They did a deep running back room. Um, some of those guys are young, and we don't know how ready they are. Um, they've got a balanced tight end room. They've got a couple of exciting receivers. Yeah, I mean, I'm of the mind that they could take a much bigger step forward offensively than, than just a modest step. I think it can be a good offense, not just average. It was bad last year. I think it can be a good offense this year. Justin Rowland with us from CatsIllustrated.com. By the way, you guys have a special offer right now, right? That's right, yeah, free trial. Right now, just go to the front page and, and take us up on it. Appreciate that. Catsillustrated.com, just in time for the start of the season. We're halfway home on this edition of the Leach Report. We'll uh, get into more of the Kentucky football season and the opener coming up on Saturday with Justin Rowland of CatsIllustrated.com. When we come right back, it is at Roland Rivals on Twitter. And he joins us on the DrinkSort.com hotline here on the Leach Report. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Back into the second half of our show for this Thursday. We're chatting with Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Question from a listener, Dennis. Says he's worried about depth at the receiver position and at cornerback. What do you think about those concerns? Those are fair concerns, yeah. I mean, I used to think receiver was the biggest question and the biggest potential issue, but I just feel like the way they can use their running backs, the way they can use their tight ends and kind of use different position units offensively, the ball's in your court there. I think at corner, when you see Quandre Mosley as the only backup at both of those spots, um, and then you're talking about Adrian Huey and Max Harrison, a couple of young guys that are totally unproven, and, and the several guys that are out, three of them being defensive backs, with legal issues, yeah, that, that's a concern. 
they're, they're not going to be tested in week one, but Missouri, we saw them last year, they're going to put three, four, five receivers out there, and that will be a challenge. I think Kentucky will play with uh, a lot with Devontae Robinson as kind of the uh, hybrid uh, fourth linebacker slash fifth DB? Yeah, I think the plan is for him to be in those medium packages. When you want to bring a bigger guy, 210 pounds, down near the box, and you know if, if he's shaking off some of the rust from last year, then he can be a physical, fast, you know, quasi-linebacker out there. And then Jalen Geiger, I think, will get a shot behind Ty Asian at strong safety, but also in some of the nickel and dime packages. And I think he's somebody they feel good about as well. You know, with the quarterback position, they do they always uh, pride themselves on uh, getting DBs that have some versatility. Mosley played mostly in the in the middle last year as mm-hmm. a safety. Uh, are there guys in that uh, safety room that could uh, slide over to a cornerback if needed? I'm racking my brain. I think Geiger could. He'd be one of the better coverage safeties that they have, but you're also talking about, you know, I don't think Moses Douglas would or Jordan Lovett would or Ricky Hyatt would. No, I think I think their depth is pretty stretched thin. When you talk about the guys that are out, I mean, Andrew Phillips would have been on the 2D. Um, you know, it's Joel Williams and Vito Tisdale would have been kind of those safety medium package guys that could cover uh, they, every defensive back they recruit, they want to be able to, tr- they start them at cornerback because you got to find out who has those cover skills that you have to have. And if they move, if they have to move them, they will. Uh, but I do think with those guys being out, um, it, it, that's a real, um, pressure point for the depth chart. A couple of recruiting, uh, things. Uh, Keonta Goodwin, I see, is going to attend the opening game, but he is, yeah. he's committed to Kentucky, but he's also said he's going to, uh, listen to some other, or I guess take some other visits, right? Yeah, that's good news. He's still going to take official visits to Kentucky, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan State. Never really felt like he's wavering. I feel like, you know, Mara's going to be able to keep that relationship strong, but a really good sign for him to take an unofficial with an official still on tap. And then uh, Dakota Patterson from Corbin uh, coming in the next weekend, which is going to be a big recruiting weekend, right? Yeah, you know, they're, they're going to showcase the Missouri game because it's going to be a great atmosphere and excitement still early in the season and a big SEC East game. I know junior college cornerback DeCarlos Nicholson, who had been committed to Mississippi State, will be taking his official visit that weekend, and I'm sure they'll try to bring in most of the commits as well. This is not – ULM is not really the kind of game where you make a huge recruiting event out of, but the home schedule is, is great this year, and, and they'll have plenty of opportunities for that. Uh, the uh, Kyle Tucker at the Athletic did a story with another writer where they talked to a lot of high school coaches around mm-hmm. the state confidentially to get some insights on recruiting from about Kentucky and, and U of L and even Western. Uh, anything that you saw in there as somebody who's covered this for a long time that uh, surprised you or was noteworthy to you? No, I think that was really well done by Kyle, and and to get that much feedback from coaches anonymously, it really tells you exactly. What the situation on the ground is, Morrow really owns the state at this point, and his only competition is going to be whenever Ohio State or Alabama or Notre Dame decides to zero in on a kid. And they're really the two struggles there are, can you beat out Ohio State and Bama for somebody like Goodwin? And in the case of like Michael Mayer, which kids are just in love with Notre Dame from the very start? Some of them are. Uh, but Louisville, I, I get it. You know, They're not making in-state a big priority. I understand that because pe- people don't, understand how much time and manpower and attention goes into maintaining all of the local relationships that you need to build a fence around your state or your city. I mean, that's opportunity cost, and it's a huge time commitment. I mean, you've got to twice or three times a year call a high school coach 
and let him talk to you for 30 minutes because he might have a player eight years from now. I mean, (laughs) that's a a hard thing to do. So I get them going elsewhere, but Kentucky really does own the state in the meantime. Vince is is a guy, it seems to be just the the perfect guy for – what he does because he seems to enjoy all of that he does yeah and that's what i tell people i mean you know it's who you know but it's also which coaches are going to pick up the phone when a kid wants to talk at 11 11 30 at night and you're just hanging out with your family a lot of guys don't pick up the phone in that situation recruiting is is work to them but i think for him you know i don't know how much he, he loves it i think he does but i think He's also driven by probably a fear of missing out on guys and losing out on guys, and you got to have a little bit of an ego with this stuff, and that, I think that's a healthy thing for a recruiter. So Ohio State plays tonight. It's one of the Thursday games. They're playing Minnesota. ESPN and others have reported that this kid from Texas that enrolled early, a quarterback, Quinn Ewers, I believe is the pronunciation, mm-hmm. Signed a one point four million dollar deal with GT Sports Marketing, which uh, I've read is is primarily specializes in autographs. Wow, <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty good deal. That's that's unbelievable, really. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the trend of, of football players leaving high school a year early, um, but that's where we're going. And you know, we've said it's only a matter of time until these big programs like Alabama and Ohio State and Oklahoma kind of separate themselves on the NIL front, like I'm sure it will eventually with Kentucky basketball. Uh, but yeah, that's that's very tough to recruit against, and it's changing the way that recruiting happens. So the, the people and the, the programs and the business people and communities that are at the forefront of uh, of thinking about this stuff are going to really benefit. What do you uh, back to the game Saturday? What do you think we'll uh, see out of the offense in terms of uh, how much do they uh, give Missouri something to think about versus holding things back for Missouri? I think by the time this is in the second half, the game will be pretty much out of hand. I mean, we're talking about a team that the coach has said he hoped that nobody gets hurt this weekend. (laughs) Um, I mean, I love that press conference with Terry Bowden, but, you know, for a half, I think we're going to see pretty much what they want to do because you don't want to go into the Missouri game with a new system and a new quarterback and so much new personnel not having executed thing in live action. So I think for a half, we'll see um, basically the team that, that we'll see for the rest of the season. But they'll they'll pull back as soon as they're up by four touchdowns, probably. Just trying to pre- uh, to envision a locker room speech. Guys, we need you to go out there today and not get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. His press conference, he kept on coming, coming back to those themes of not getting hurt, and it would be detrimental to our confidence to compare position units and you know, it's, it's different being back in coaching. He's just wearing it on his sleeve. You can tell he's the guy who who's loving this last stop in his coaching career. And I'm, I'm glad he got to spend time with his dad before he passed. And it's cool to see a Bowden out there. Yeah, that's that's true. We're going to uh, hear a little bit about that from our, our next guest, uh, ULM alum Tim Brand, who's coming up next. But, uh, Justin, we appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Don't forget to check out their uh, special offer, too, at catsillustrated.com. Justin Rowland joining us on the DrinkSword.com hotline. Tim Brando, Fox Sports, next up on the Leach Report. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at TalkRadio1080.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back into the DrinkSword.com hotline, and we are joined by Tim Brando. You see him regularly on Fox, longtime friend of the show from his days in the SEC. And uh, Tim, Kentucky's getting ready to start the season against the ULM Warhawks. I guess the Fighting Timmy Bees finished second in the uh, nickname derby. <laughs> I got. I'll have to. That's the first time I've actually heard that one meant, uh, said. <laughs> um, a little bit like the fighting Reese Davises for that's, Northwestern, right? That's right. Uh, so yeah, the fighting. Listen, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm going to tell Bowden <laughs> all about that. Terry and I talk pretty often, so I'll uh, I'll throw that one out for him that, that he needs to hold up well. You know, the fighting Timmy Bees need to be competitive. I saw um, several tweets from you when Bobby passed, and you obviously have a long connection to that family. I do, and uh, Terry is literally my age. And uh, you probably remember this, or I, I may may have to jog your memory a little bit, but um, long before there was ever a Tim Brando show on radio in the early 2000s, I mean, really kind of going back to the late 90s, I think I had just gotten to CBS maybe, uh, after doing the Jefferson Pilot early games uh, in the mid-90s, um, Terry and I actually did, right after he was getting, well, he had just gotten the job at ABC, and he was working with my best friend in the business at the time, the late, great John Saunders. Terry and I did a nightly show. We did we did uh, the old syndicated show in the South called Conference Call. Oh, I remember that. I don't know that. if you remember yeah, that. Absolutely. And uh, so we were working, uh, doing radio on a daily basis. And so we talked all the time and, um, and connected on very, you know, strong levels because of my relationship with um, his dad, which was very strong going all the way back to my days at LSU covering uh, the Tigers as a Cub reporter in 1979. And Tim, when they announced Terry Bowden as the new head coach at ULM, uh, you went over and uh, emceed the news conference because of your relationship with the family and the school. Terry was so excited because uh, probably our most influential booster at uh, Northeast, uh, old Northeast, now ULM, was going to get his, his his plane and take it over to Tallahassee, pick up Miss Ann, Bobby, and Tommy, and bring them all in. So that January day, January 18th, uh, at the formal announcement, it was socially distanced, yes, but it was a packed room, you know, socially distanced. And to have Bobby there, you know, wearing, uh, you know, his Florida State leather jacket, and it have you know, the same color scheme at Florida State is the color scheme of ULM, you know, garnet and gold. So he put the ULM hat on to go with that, and just, you know, the, the eyes of the fans and the people at, at ULM were so bright. I think it was one of the great days in the history of the school in terms of, you know, firing up and energizing a base that had really been struggling for a long, long time. And, yeah, I think I think for Terry, too, uh, Tom, the season this year was going to be huge and very significant anyway, but it takes on a whole new level, you know, of significance now, uh, not just professionally but personally for him. Because, you know, they were one time, the Bowden family, when Tommy won the national, you know, won the national, well, he, he, went, he went 14-0, and 13-0, at Tulane, and Terry went undefeated, you know, his first season at Auburn, won his first 20 games. Bobby didn't go undefeated until his second national <laughs> until, yeah, his second national championship year. He was 60 years old. And you can make a case they were the first family of coaching in college football. 
and and I and I said as such many times over. I think it meant a lot to Bobby that Terry got the job, and that Bowden was still coaching football when he passed away. I really believe that, and uh, there's a lot of historical significance I think in that for, from Bobby's perspective. We're talking with Tim Brando of Fox Sports and a ULM alumnus as Kentucky gets set to take on Timmy B's alma mater this weekend here in Lexington. Let me uh, talk a little bit about the Wildcats from the standpoint of you are uh, very familiar with a couple of guys that figure to play key roles for Kentucky this season coming out of the Big Ten and Will Levis from Penn State and Wandale Robinson from Nebraska. Yeah, Robinson is a, is a really go-to guy with speed, keeping him healthy is going to be the key. He's, he's really had issues staying on the field. Um, if he can stay on the field, he can be a huge playmaker. Uh, no question about that. Uh, Levis is the goods, and I think might be the breakthrough newcomer of the year in college football. I, I'm high on Kentucky's chances to finish as high as second in the in the SEC East. Uh, I think the potential is there with Florida in transition, uh, at quarterback especially, and, and Tennessee being down, and coaching change at South Carolina. You just look around, uh, and certainly at Vanderbilt too. So uh, really, if, if, this, if, if Kentucky can't take advantage of this year and climb that high, they're going to be very close. But I think there's a great chance that they can, they can finish second uh, in the east of Georgia. And uh, that isn't to say that, that Georgia's uh, a team that is unbeatable. I, I think that they uh, – all the hype on Georgia this year is something that concerns me a little bit about them. Um, you know, they're putting a lot of stock in JT Daniels, who, in my opinion, you know, hasn't really started a lot. And when, you know, in the last bowl game, a good defense from Cincinnati – uh, had him struggling. Will Levis is is as good of an athlete playing the quarterback position as you'll find. And a lot of fans and a lot of people around the country don't know that much about him, except in the Big Ten, because we saw him at the end of the year. There had been some injuries, obviously, with Clifford and whatnot. But it was kind of a one-off season uh, with COVID last year. And Penn State did struggle. But Levis, under fire... You know, he's going to be being forced to do some things that he hasn't had to do yet in his career. But I think his physical skill set and the tools that he has, Tom, are as good as any, especially with the time that he's already spent at the college level. He is a full-grown man and athlete playing that position, which which should really serve him well in a league that's as physical, you know, as the SEC. And, and I think the schedule breaks well for you guys. No, I agree. Uh, and, this year. and the fa- also the fact that there's been a lot of turnover at the QB position in this league. So, you know, right. if, if Levis is the goods, then Kentucky, you know, would have a shot to have one of the, the higher regarded quarterbacks in the league, which hadn't happened often. No doubt about it. And he, he, he can, he's so big, you don't think of him as a runner. I mean, you don't. But when he takes off, you know, if you're a smaller outside linebacker <laughs> or safety, you're like, oh, God, i got to tackle him. You know, he's thick. He's big. He's strong. And his arm is just uh, amazing. I went to several, you know, in the years that I've been at Fox, I've, I've had several Penn State games. And, uh, and Franklin was always um, 
you know, James was always high on the kid. Uh, but Clifford was in a position, had more reps. His offensive coordinator at the time was uh, very comfortable with him. Um, so Levis was never able to really get over the hump uh, to win the position at Penn State. But I think he's, um, I think he's really, if you watched him next to Clifford in practice, and you didn't know that Clifford was the starter, you'd say, oh, that, that guy, athletically, that guy looks better. You know, you just would. So uh, that's my mindset when thinking about the Kentucky quarterback this year. Tim Brando, thank you much. Thank you, Tom. All the best, and uh, be good to my Warhawks this weekend. We'll do our best. <laughs> the fighting <laughs> the fighting Timmy Bees, also known the as the fighting fight. Timmy Bees. I'm going to hang on to that yeah. one. I'm I may have to work that into the broadcast, actually. <laughs> We'll see you. Have a good day, Tim. Bye, buddy. Tim Brando from Fox Sports joining us on the DrinkSword.com hotline. I think we are all very eager to see Will Levis in action Saturday, and more so after hearing Tim's comments. Each report continues right after this timeout. One Wildcat birthday today. Legendary coach Adolph Rupp was born on this day. Uh, did you see Will Levis had some custom cleats made for his UK debut on Saturday? They are blue, according to the reports, with an Avengers theme. Stark Industries from uh, Iron Man on one side and the Flash symbol on the other. Speaking of QB, South Carolina is going with a graduate assistant. Yeah, this guy was a quarterback at Iowa State, North Dakota State, and he came to South Carolina was just going to be a uh, grad assistant for Shane Beamer, but their uh, projected starting quarterback got hurt, so uh, this guy uh, petitioned for to use his sixth year of eligibility that was granted because of COVID, so he's going to be the QB for the Gamecocks uh, this weekend. Jimbo Fisher signed a new deal down at Texas A&M. The old one, uh, I think he was going to make about $7 million next year. Now it's up to $9 million. That'll put him second. He's the second most highest paid coach to Nick Saban. And I want to give a shout-out to the guys at Express Moving here in Lexington. My daughter uh, left earlier this week uh, going cross-country for her first job. And we had a mover scheduled, and they didn't show. And so we were scrambling to find somebody. These guys came to the rescue, so... Just a, an unpaid endorsement here for Express Moving. They were great and uh, saved the day for us. Sure See